Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome. You're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study, and we're so glad you could join us. But before we get into the Word, let us take a moment and pray. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness, love, and we just thank you that you have given us peace, Lord, and that it is a good peace, Lord. Lord, we also just thank you that you continue to bless every aspect of our lives, Lord. And Lord, we also just thank you that we can go off your plan, Lord, and that you have a plan and a destiny for each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. We're glad to have you with us as we continue our discussion and study on the book of Acts and the word of the Lord. So we are continuing in Acts chapter 19. And by continuing, we're continuing our discussion and conversation concerning verses 11 through 20. So if you're just joining us for the first time or you need to refresh yourself in the scripture, I want to encourage you to take the time and opportunity to do that now just by pausing the episode. So that way it'll be easier to follow along in the conversation. All right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So at this time, the floor is open for each of you to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have. So who'd like to begin? I will. Okay, so the Lord is talking to me about how, I'm going to say the first couple of verses inside the section, um, how it said that aprons were aprons and aprons and handkerchiefs were taken from Paul and and when they're given to the sick that they're healed. And so the Lord's reminding of how most people inside of the body of Christ think that the apostles were given a special amount of faith and that they can't even get that close to it. And the Lord's reminding me of the I believe it's inside the gospels. I haven't been able to find it, but it talks about how everybody's given the same amount of faith and a measure of faith. Yes. And with the measure of faith, Lord, show me that, and we also have to grow it. And it's not the Lord giving into dis into disproportions. Like, and for example, the apostles get a good amount of it, but everybody else gets only a drop of faith. Um, the Lord show me that. It, everybody has the same amount, but it's what you do with it. And he reminded me of the parable of the lamp and how if you hide underneath a basket, mm-hmm. the lamp's not going to fully work and you're only going to get a small amount of light. And the light that comes out is going to be the light that comes out from in between the um, fibers of the ba- mm-hmm. basket. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord show me that we still have... The Lord hasn't changed and we still have the same amount of power available today. It's just we have to use it and actually take a hold of it. Amen. We have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living in us if we're believers and resting on us if we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have the same Je- the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So if we have the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, then it stands to reason and is, of course, that 
we have the same Holy Spirit that was available to the apostles as well. And um, our faith has a lot to do with how the Lord is able to operate through us, our faith and our willingness to be obedient. Um, When you read about Jesus, it's easy to go, well, he's God. That's why the Lord worked through him in the same way. But if that were the case, then Jesus would not have told us that we would do the same works that he did and greater works um, if it were only relegated, they were only possible for him because he was God in the flesh. But that's not the case. It was given to him. The Holy Spirit was given to him without measure because Jesus would only do the will of the Father. He wasn't going to try to take the power of God uh, and wield it for his own purpose. He wasn't going to try to exalt himself to selfish for selfish gain or even lord it over people. He wasn't doing anything outside of what the Father told him and wanted him to do. So that's why he was trustworthy to carry and be um, endued with the Spirit beyond measure. And the scripture talks about that he learned obedience through his suffering and that in all points he became obedient even unto death. But for some reason, we've said it's easier just to assume it's because they're more important when the Lord said he's no respecter of persons than it is to say, my faith needs to be in the Lord and trusting him, right? I need to put forth the effort to hear his word and to exercise, not exorcise, but exercise my faith. I mean, strengthen and build my faith muscles, if you will, starting in the small things and then increasing to the little things and putting all my confidence in the fact that it's the name of Jesus that does the work. The handkerchiefs that came from Paul or the aprons weren't um, able, casting out devils and healing sickness because of Paul. It was because Holy Spirit was there. But also yes. the other side of it was the people who were receiving it was using it as an opportunity to release their faith. They had to have faith for that, right? Yes. yes. And even thinking back to um, Elisha, when his bones were buried and the, the man, the dead man got thrown in on top of him, how he sprang back to life. It wasn't because Elisha was so important. He wasn't even there anymore. It was just his bones. But him carrying the anointing of God that was developed by faith mm-hmm. and continual communion with the Father, right, and the Holy Spirit is what caused that power to reside on him. And he was specific about doing the will of the Father, even to the point of turning away wealth and riches, right? You remember Naaman, the leper, yes, wanting to pay him for his uh, healing, and he said, absolutely not, no thank you carry on. And then his, his servant, um, Elisha's servant ran after him to get some clothes and took a little piece and took some payment and actually ended up with Naaman's leprosy in the end. But that is having a heart that wants to do the will of the father. And when we come to that place and we just let God have his way, God can do anything. And the, the scriptures reference Peter's shadow, you know, things of that nature. It wasn't because his shadow was so wonderful because that same shadow had fallen on people many times. Yes. Right. You know, he never uh, while he was fishing or next to his wife uh-huh. or his mother-in-law or walking down the, the alleyway to his house or whatever. His shadow had fallen on people many times before. So it wasn't something that resided in him or that he carried in and of his being. It was the Holy Spirit. What else? And then the Lord made me of uh, First John four, four and 
where it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Amen. And so the Lord has shown me that we don't have to worry about our own authority and doing what the Lord has told us that we should do. <laughs> the Lord has shown me that it's his authority that enforces everything that we everything that aligns with his will that we do. Amen. Mm-hmm. It then the Lord was talking to me about how, um, again, how most people see that the apostles are more important than every every other person, and when they see that, and they see, and so in, in today's culture, doing the same things as the apostles, some of them try to say, "No, you can't do that. Only the apostles can do that," and they try to find fault with that person, mm-hmm. and try to they pull a Pharisee and say, "No, you're doing it by the wrong spirit." And um, accuse them of doing it by means of, as Pharisee said, they ca- they that they were casting out demons by Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord showed me that first. He reminded me of First Corinthians, um, for, um, chapter one. I'm not. I can't flip to there right now. But it talks about how secretism is sin, which is that's what ultimately it is. It's saying you can't do this because you're not a part of this unit, and that's sick. What, what was it? Uh, first, first Corinthians one. He said, "What is sin? Secretism." Um, let's, let's go there. Let's talk about yeah. sex, like the different groups. sectarianism. Yes, <laughs> as as in a dividing up of oh, things. Yes. Okay. Let's just make it clear for the listeners there, sir. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. And I especially like the last verse that says, let me read it. Well, I can read it to you. I've got it at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 through 14, you said? Oh, I can start 10 through 14. Okay. Okay, you sure? Yes, mommy. Go ahead. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. Be that you wait, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this that each of you says, I am Paul, I am of Paul. Or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Mm-hmm. And so the Lord is reminding me that since it's not the physical names that have the power, it's the power of the Lord that flows through his name that gives us the power. It is Christ alone. Right, even when Jesus was here in his natural ministry, his earthly ministry, he said, it's not me, it's the Father who does the works. Mm -hmm. The Father's doing the works through me. The Father is doing the works. So if we, being joint heirs, right, and partakers of his body, how can we think it's of ourselves? If, if though, if, you know, that, that, that logic that he's God in the flesh, if he is saying this, then who are we to say something different? But we should, like him, say the same thing that he says, which is what um, Acts chapter 19 reports. God 
worked special miracles through Paul. Not Paul worked special miracles, but God did. And we know um, the part of the Godhead that was um, working the works is the Holy Spirit because that is his role and responsibility and it's his task here in the earth. But it says in um, Acts 19 verse 11, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So just having that clear understanding, and which is why we were talking about um, back to Mark 16, it's not me who does it. It's the name of Jesus doing the works. My, my relationship with him by faith gives me access to the power that is vested in his name. And because God honors the work that Jesus did and his blood and his name, then the father does what the name has been applied to do when the carrier of the name actually has legal um legal recourse or legal rights to use his name yes amen it's kind of sweeter i did yeah so all of that comes from the lord's grace right you mentioned about peter how the lord did unusual miracles right and we're just reading about one here in acts with with paul how even handkerchiefs and aprons so stuff that he wore that he was working in people were getting healed from right peter with his shadow unusual miracles, but the Lord did it through what? His grace. Well, Peter writes about it, and if you will, and I say it, in this way. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, and each one has received, oh, excuse me, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he begins going into all these other spiritual gifts. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, what we're reading about now, the church in Ephesus, mm -hmm. right? He says in verse 7, but to, uh, this is uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he continues to go into various gifts and even offices, right? In verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And then in Romans, it says something very similar in uh, Romans chapter 12, right? Verse, it begins in verse 3, but he says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Well, wait, the measure of faith works both ways. We have to exercise our faith and put it in action to the Lord. But someone else has to put their faith in action to receive from the Lord, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And we see that here in, in Ephesians and, and in Acts chapter 19 at the church in Ephesus, right? By what's happening and the unique ways, or as it was, as you read, honey, the unusual miracles that the Lord did through his servants that just exercised their faith, <laughs> right? Jesus was used, I mean, when he spit on the ground and put mud in people's eyes and they were healed, that's an unusual miracle. But why? Why did he do that? Because that's how he was being led by Holy Spirit to do. Mm -hmm. But then the person on the, the receiving end has to also exercise their faith in order to receive that thing, regardless of how the Lord chooses to do something. And when that happens, we see exactly what we're seeing here in, well, I'll say verses 
18 through 20 of Acts 19, right? Where ultimately, if you if you were to boil it down to one word, it's revival. They're receiving. They're 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 the Lord is demonstrating His difference with Him and with every and against everything else that would every lofty thing that would prop itself up against Him. He's making the difference distinguishable, so much so that people are saying, "No, I'm putting my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ." You cannot deny what the Lord is doing, and the power with which He has and moves in and through himself and his servants. Yes. That's what we're seeing here. It's, it is that faith, yes. And that faith, or I'll say, that faith allows us to tap into his grace that he so freely poured out on us, which comes as a result of the love that he already shared and shed, right? So because of that love, he gave us grace, which we access through faith. Mm-hmm. Both yes. first and foremost for us, ourselves, for our salvation, right? To believe in Him. Yes. And then also for the things that we need. And who knows more of what we need than the Lord? That's why He says, Ask me for, but I, but I have it before you even ask. Mm-hmm. So He already knows. He's just waiting for you mm-hmm. to exercise your faith that He's already given you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Go ahead, Promise. Um, very quickly, the Lord is talking to me about how the people who had the magic books were burning them, and it said that they did it openly. And so, wait, first there's another point. Um, <laughs> how it said that the people came confessing and their deeds before um, the people. Um, I. Um, and it said that because the Lord's manifested, and the Lord's reminded me that there's a false perception, especially among a lot of Christians, that um, there has to be sin in order for the Lord to do something miraculous, in order for Jesus to have to die on the cross, which isn't true. Um, because it said that he was the lamb, because it said Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and we know that because he was before the foundation of the world and sin didn't enter in until Adam was tempted in the fall of man, then we know that it can't be that God needed sin to prove his point. Okay, so you're saying God doesn't need us to commit sin in order to come and be our savior, which is true. Now, the fact, the reason Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world is because sin had already contaminated heaven. Hence, Lucifer got kicked out with a third of the angels. That was still sin. Sin was found in him. If you you have questions about that, please go read um, Revelation, stop by Isaiah, stop by Ezekiel, and where the scripture talks about him and what happened, how sin was found in him, and um, how the dragon that drew a third of the angels and fought against, um, fought a war in heaven and was thrown out. So that sin still had to be dealt with. And that sin yes. was being dealt with before... Um, uh, still being dealt with now, but that that's the reason he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And in God's infinite wisdom and his vision, he knew he was going to create man. He knew man was going to sin because sin was in, was around, it was lurking. And there will be some people who chose him and stayed on God's side. And there were others, there will be others that did not. So 
because God knew, knows the end from the beginning, Jesus is also the, slam, uh, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So God has a plan for everything, but he does not need us to go out and commit sin, willfully commit sin and live in iniquity in order to be a savior. And whether or not you sinned, you would still need a savior. If you never cussed, if you never smoked, you never drank, you never um, committed fornication or adultery or stole or lied or anything, you would still need a savior because sin nature is in all mankind. If you have a natural father, then your very DNA has sin incorporated in it and you need redemption, which is also why Jesus is the spotless lamb because God is his father. Okay, go ahead, promise. And then this is the last point in the law. So remind me of how especially nowadays a lot of people drive out those who are coming to the Lord because of their previous background. And the Lord remind me of Jude one twenty through um twenty two. I'm not gonna read it, but this me a paraphrase. And it says that you're supposed to save some of them by grace and some of them by fear. And how nowhere does it say in that section of scripture that you're supposed to terrorize them and drive them away <laughs> from, let's say, the church or an evangelist, um, evangelistic um, meeting. Mm-hmm. Is it knowing that you're supposed to drive them away? And then miraculously, angels could appear to them, and then they're gonna be saved like that. And in order for that to, in order for those people to be saved, um, I believe Romans talks about how. There has to be a preacher in order for them to hear the word. Mm-hmm. God determined that he wanted humanity to preach the gospel, not angels, because the gospel doesn't apply to angels. There is no, um, if you read Hebrews chapter two, I believe it's verse 16, but Hebrews chapter two, definitely. Um, it says that the Lord does not give aid to angels. So, so the blood of Jesus Christ oh, is yes. not for angels. It is for only humanity. So that's why the Lord wants humans to preach the gospel and, um, continue that work of the Lord. Um, But yes, we should preach the word, how God wants us to go about it, where and when should be left to the father. And it's our job to obey, but do what he's asked you to do. Preach the word, let him get the outcome. It's not our job to condemn. Okay. But it is our job to preach the word and convince and to rebuke but in an effort of reconciliation and in the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ, not our own ideal ideology and not our own ideas of who someone is and what they're worth. And if they're worthy to come to Christ or not, the door is his and we just preach the gospel and point to Jesus and we let him work out the rest. Holy spirit knows how to get the job done. Yes. It, it then the Lord reminded me of the Pharisees and how they criticized the Lord for, um, um, this is me for paraphrasing. It said that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and how they criticized the Lord for that. And because they didn't believe that the Lord should go to the sinners, they didn't believe in him. And so the Lord reminded me that when we don't allow others to come to the Lord, how the Lord wants them to come, we're preventing the Lord from from bringing others to Christ. And that was it. Hey, well, we don't stand in anybody's way and we point them to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, There's a lot in there. <laughs> so let's let's take a moment to, re- to reflect on that and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And let's for us, let's pause there for today. So can I get a volunteer to close us in prayer, please? I will. All right, Layla. 
Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the forgiveness that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and we thank you that we have the ability to extend that to others, Lord. We forgive anybody that we have ought against God, and we let them go free, and we ask you to bless them, Lord. Have mercy on them, Lord. Save the ones that aren't yet saved, God. Bring them into your kingdom and bless them also, Lord. We thank you for today's um, podcast, Lord, and the time together in the word and the refreshing um, that we receive from being in your presence, Lord. And we just thank you for those things. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' amen. mighty name, amen. And amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.